morning, I'm going to begin uh, in Proverbs chapter 3. We return to Proverbs chapter 3. And as we're turning there, just uh, a few thoughts. I remember when I was a kid, yeah, I can barely remember back that far, but when I was a kid, there was... I guess when I was little, it started happening, and after a while, I noticed that every adult, every relative, whether they came to my house or wherever I went, would always ask me a question. After a while, it started annoying me, and it kind of put a lot of pressure on me, and was, well, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to be? And I remember saying, oh, I'm going to be a fireman, or a soldier, and things like that, and a farmer, and... You know, it depends on where I was that particular day and how I was feeling in that time period. And so this is a message from youth on up to adulthood into old age. Because the answer is always the same. Um, there is always this pressure about the future. When people get to my age, there's the fear of, well, what about when you can't work, work anymore? Are you going to have enough? Are you going to... You know, you know, if you can't work, what if you're sick? What if this and what if that? You know, what if I get this disease and all these fears and pressures? They're always there, but it doesn't start when you're old. It starts when you're young. It starts when you. What am I going to be when I grow up? You know, what am I going to do? How am I going to? Um, what, what's going to happen in the future? It's going to happen to our country. It's going to happen to our world. There's all kinds of fears going on in our society about what the world's going to be like in the future. You know, social unrest and climate change and air pollution and water pollution and everything else. And, you know, I remember even as a kid, you know, all these things were coming at you. And we can't control a lot of things in this world that are happening in the world around us. <clears throat> But what about us? What do we do? So there's a couple of scriptures I want to look at. And first one is in here. Uh, verses 5 to 8. In Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And this is the answer from childhood forward. We don't have to figure it all out. I mean, I've changed careers four times or more since, you know, I started working. Maybe more. A lot of people go to college for one thing. And a lot of times, even if they go to college, they end up doing something else later on. I can think of lots of people that I even know. They went to college for this, they went to college for that. They, they didn't stay in that career. Okay. We don't have to figure it all out. We don't have to put such pressure about life on ourselves. We don't have to figure out when we're a kid or when we're a teenager, who we're going to marry? How can I get somebody to like me? You know, all these other things that just come upon you. 
And you, you don't even see them coming when you're little, and they just come upon you, and they begin to put pressures on you. And you've begun to feel uneasy and fearful and anxious and all these weights. And this is the answer right here. And trust in the Lord with all your heart. God is real. And you trust Him with not part of your heart, but all of your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. What does it mean to not lean on your own understanding? It means... You don't have to figure this out for yourself. You don't have to, you know, trust in your own wisdom or the wisdom of others around you. I'm not saying you don't hear what other people are saying and you, you don't listen to your own common sense, but you don't put your trust in them. Acknowledge, lean not on your own understanding. That means don't put your trust in them. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not in yourself, not in others, not in the wisdom of men. And then it goes on to say, <clears throat> to acknowledge Him in all of your ways. Not some of your ways, not in the most important ways, but all of your ways. And He will direct your path. Is that what we want? Do we want God to direct our path? Or do we want to do our own will? Do we want to do things our way? If that's what you want to do, I can tell you I've done it then done done my own will already, I can tell you it's a bad it's a bad road. It's a dark road. It's a cold and empty and lonely road, no matter how many friends you have around you. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. So how do I acknowledge God in all of my ways? By committing my my burdens to him. My problems and the my future to him. Not to be pressured about tomorrow. Jesus says there's enough problems for today. You know, not to be anxious about tomorrow. If we acknowledge Him, He will direct our path. So I don't see Him direct our path. It doesn't matter. That's a promise from Him. This is what He says. And so we trust that. And I can tell you that in the 43 years that I've been putting my trust in the Lord and trying to put my trust in the Lord and learning to put my trust in the Lord and growing and trusting in the Lord, that's true. And I look back, as handwriting is all over the place in my life. There's a lot of other people in this room that could give the same testimony. It's all over the place. And as I look in the Word of God, I begin to realize he knows man. He knows me. It's all over there. It just comes out all over the place. If you don't harden your heart. He knows man. He, it says in one place, Jesus didn't commit to man because he knew what was he knows what's in man. And boy, he certainly shows you. He knows what's inside of us. And he knows the remedy. He knows the answer. And the answer answer is. Don't try to figure out life for yourself. Don't try to go it alone. If you go that way, well, see what happens. God is the author of life. He created life. He created the universe. He knows how it works. We humble ourselves and accept His guidance. 
and his will. I remember, once again, the words of George Mueller when he said, people used to come to him because of his success in ministry throughout many years, and all that he accomplished, and they said, well, how do you discern the will of God in all this? And his answer started out with this. He says, if I lay aside my own will, I've solved 95% of the problem. Our own will is the issue. Instead of God's will for our life. Do we want God to direct our life? Do we want God to direct our path? Or do we want to do it ourselves? And we can do it ourselves. Let's see what happens. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to just look at all the details and everything and try to make a plan just on that. <clears throat> Acknowledge Him in all of your ways and He will direct your path. That's what I want. I want God's will for my life. Because He knows better. He loves me. He's looking out for me. And He knows what's best for my life. And also, He knows what's best within His will. He's created me for His pleasure, not my own. And that's where the issues run. And verse 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. How do we just look at it ourselves and figure it out for ourselves? So don't do it. Fear the Lord, depart from evil, be healthy your flesh and strength your bones. It's the right way. It's, it's, it's the good way. It's the right way. <clears throat> This is the answer to figuring out what am I going to do when I grow up? What job am I going to work at? You're at one job and you got to get another. What, maybe I want another. There's another offer. Like I've, I've had an offer, a job offer since September for this March coming up in a couple months. And I tell you, I've been back and forth leaning one way or another trying to figure it out. And I just sought myself over and over again and said, stop leaning on your own understanding. Just, God's going to, I'm just committing this to God. God's going to direct my path. Amen. And so, here we are, we're in January, and I still don't have a definite answer. And so, I can tell you one thing, there's been a lot of interesting things that have happened in that time, both in, in both directions. But I don't have to be anxious for it, because I know I've committed to Him, and in the end, he's going to direct my path. How? I don't know. And it's going to work out. He's going to acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will direct your path. I don't have to figure this out. God's going to work it out. And when I was a young man, a young believer, I began to ask myself the same question I did before I was a believer. Who am I going to marry? How am I going to find a wife? And all these other things. You know, and <laughs> you know, it's like these these strange things that, that go on inside of you. And one day I saw in the in the, the Gospel of Matthew, it says, Do not be anxious about your life. 
talk about all the things that people are anxious about. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and behold, all things you need will be given to you. And it changed my whole outlook. I had read that before, but one day it just caught my attention and spoke. God spoke to me through that. And I laid that to rest. So God, He's going to direct my path. He's going to take care of all that. And He did. It's funny how that happens. Funny how He says things and they come to pass. We put our trust in Him. Trust His Word. <clears throat> Do not be wise in your own eyes. You know, we have a lot of... We can accumulate a lot of wisdom... We could go on the internet and get a lot more wisdom of man. <clears throat> but it says not to be wise in your own eyes. Listen to what God's saying. Let God direct your path. No, God does not have in, the wor in His Word every detail of what house to buy, what car to buy, and He doesn't give you the name of who to marry and all these other things, you know. He doesn't tell you all these little details. But if we commit all these details to Him, it says He's going to direct our path. He's going to guide us as we seek Him about these things. As we commit our way to Him. As we acknowledge Him in all of our ways. Sometimes we want to have these pet areas that, you know, we want to do ourselves. Not like God. And then we're frustrated it doesn't work out the way we think it should. In all of his, all of our ways. <clears throat> In Proverbs 16.3 it says, Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts shall be established. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts shall be established. You know, we commit our way to Him, and he'll give us the right thoughts. Our thoughts will be established and be solid and right. It's what we call a spiritual mind. A spiritual mind gives us life and peace. The carnal mind, the natural mind, breeds death. The carnally minded is death. We're naturally minded. Just leaning on our natural wisdom, wrong way. Our natural inclinations, wrong way. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways instead of our own ways. And He will direct our path. The God of the universe who breathed life into man and woman. He will direct our path. It's a lot better than us doing it ourselves. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Psalm 119 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. I have sought you with my whole heart. Seeking God with our whole heart. It says it again, doesn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Seek God with all your heart. This is not a half-hearted proposition. Can see that. Jesus says, Forsake all and follow me. 
there's this totality, this whole entirety of you know about this walk with God, with our whole heart. This is how we can find our way in life, when we're from the time we're a little kid on. How we bring our burdens to Him, we cast our burdens on Him, with the promise. He's going to direct our way. Well, how? We don't know. But God is, has the power to do it. That's why He tells us to do it. And He promises us that if we do do that, He will direct our path. This is not a beating, like Paul said, we're not just going to beat in, beat in the air. You know, we're not just shadow boxing or beating in the air. We're not walking in vain. One scripture says, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. We want God to direct our path. Otherwise, we're laboring in vain. We're running on a treadmill. We're going nowhere fast. And sometimes it even leads us backwards. The next one is in Psalm 37. And Dave, if you could read that whole uh, that whole chapter. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the men who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just, and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword, and have bent their bow, to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. The sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. And in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. 
Into smoke they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord, and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power, and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and observe the, the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in their time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. Mm -hmm. A long psalm. A lot of powerful things that are said in here. We, <clears throat> we won't cover it all because of time, but a few things. Talks about the difference between following God's way and following our own way. Following the way of the flesh. You know, and it says, trust in the Lord uh, and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and you'll bring it to pass. He will guide our way. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. There's many who don't wait. Follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. It says that anxiety and anger only bring harm. We go that way. That's not God's way. One of the things that you read in here is David's observation of the difference between those who follow the Lord and those who don't. And he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Because I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. When you follow the Lord for a while, you begin to see the difference. As God opens your eyes and you begin to look at things differently, you begin to see differently. And yes, you see people that are doing their own thing, and some people are wealthy, or they hit the lottery, or but you just watch down the road, and you just keep on watching, 
and you see the end of people. You see their departure and how it is. Salvation is of, of the righteous is from the Lord. The righteous through faith in Christ. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. That's why. That's what makes us righteous is trusting Him, believing His Word, believing what He says. That's where. That's how we change. God changes us when we believe Him. When we believe what He says and we trust it. That's what changes us. God changes us when we trust Him. When we believe His Word. Something happens on the inside of us. It's the guide of our life. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The guidance of God. I'd like to take a few minutes now to step on to part two here, which is Starts in Second Chronicles, chapter um, fourteen. Second Chronicles, chapter fourteen. This is the story of Asa, and uh, we'll start in verses one to six. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa his son reigned in his place. In his days the land was quiet for ten years. Asa did what was good in the, and right in the eyes of the Lord his God, for he removed the altars of the foreign gods and, and the high places, and broke down the sacred pillars, and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord their God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. So this is a good start for King Asa. Trust in God, and he follows the Lord, he obeys him. And then we go uh, to verses 8 to 14. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears. And from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Then Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. And he came to Maresha. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephtha at Maresha, and Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we 
rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away very much spoil. Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. Um, they were num outnumbered about two to one in this battle. Two soldiers to one. And uh, they were facing a war which of extermination. They, they could have, their, their nation could have been destroyed. But you can see the faith of Asa and his trust in him. He says, It is nothing for you to help, whether by many or with by those who have no power. Help us, for we rest on you, Lord. And in your name we go against this multitude. You are our God. You see the, the great trust that Asa hath, has towards God. And he's committing his way, as we've been talking about. Instead of trying to figure it out for yourself, you just put that, cast your burden upon the, upon the Lord. Because he cares about you. He cares about me. So we let him care. We don't have to figure everything out. We don't know how God's going to deliver us in this big battle, Lord, against these Ethiopians. We're outnumbered two to one. We don't, even, we don't know what strategy will work on anything. We're putting our trust in your power and your guidance and your deliverance. <clears throat> so then we go to chapter 15. I'm just going to skip around in this chapter. And verse 12. After this great deliverance, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and all their soul. There's that with all their heart again. All of our heart. And it says in verse 15, And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. That hasn't changed. Seeking God with all our heart and soul, we will find rest. And so he brought about all this revival in Israel. In verse 17, But the high places were still not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all of his days. But then we go to chapter 16 and verses 1 to 4. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha king of Israel came up against Judah and built Ramah that he might let none go out or come in to Asa king of Judah. Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of their house of the Lord and of the king's house, and sent to Ben-Hadad king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad heeded King Asa, and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel, 
they attacked Ajan, Dan, Abel, Maim, and all the st storage cities of Natali. 7 to 12 also. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and you have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the, and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered you into them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars." Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. Note the acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa become dise became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord. But the physicians. So Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the forty-first year of his reign. They buried him in his own tomb, which he had made for himself in the city of David. And the, yeah. okay. um, the last five years of his life tell a different story. Um, <clears throat> unlike when the Ethiopians came, when the when uh, when uh, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel came against him, he hired the Syrians, the enemy of Israel, to help him out. And he made a covenant with them, gave him money, gave him gold to go in and fight and do his battles for him. And so the prophet came and co confronted him. He said, you, you, what you've done is you've let the king of Syria that I was going to give into your hand, he goes, you let him escape. And number one, it says, number two, then why don't you trust me? Why you know? Why don't you trust me for this, like you did with the Ethiopians? There was a change in him. He wasn't trusting God like he did before. And this is a message that we have to take heed to, because we must continue in the things that we've heard and not drift from them. It says in Hebrews. You see a man who changed here. And it says that he put this prophet in jail, in prison. And he began to oppress people. The changed man, not for the good, though. He stopped trusting in God. And, trust, and he started leaning on his own way and his own understanding. You see? You see the difference in a man who trusted God and he changed and began to lean on his own understanding. What happened to this man? What happens to us when that happens? We're trusting God, we're in the right, you know, in the right place, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in the wrong place. We're leaning on our understanding, we're piercing ourselves through with many sorrows and all these other things, and all these problems happen. <clears throat> it becomes very clear. It's a lot simpler than we would think. When Jesus said, Remain in me, abide in me. First he says, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your soul. 
He says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. He talked about, you know, out of our innermost being, you know, shall flow rivers of living water, the, being filled with the Holy Spirit. But then he says in John 15, remain in me. Abide in me means, uh, the word abide in John 15 is used nine times by Jesus. It means stay. It means remain. Continue on that path. And don't go away from it. Well, what happens that people go away from? What happened to Asa? What happens to us as believers who are walking by faith and all of a sudden we find ourselves leaning on our own understanding. We find ourselves not feeling close to God. We find, we find that we're not remaining. And what happened? And Jesus made it very clear what happened, that we wandered from Him. But how do we wander from Him? And Jesus talked about <clears throat> the seed that fell on the thorny ground. There was thorns that choked out the Word, and people become unfruitful. Cares of life. Everybody has cares in life. And the anxieties and the cares of life. The deceitfulness of riches and materialism and things that we can get and do and be and all those things. They said the desires are the lusts of many things. Choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. It's the world around us. It's our society. And it's inside of us too. In our human nature. In our body. It will direct us the wrong way. We'll wander from God if we listen to it. Let God direct our path. Be spiritually minded. Because to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Asa got diverted. A spiritual man becomes diverted. To the point where he gets diseased in his feet in old age. I don't know what he had. Maybe he had gout. Who knows what he had. The last two years of his life he had he was suffering. And it says he didn't seek God but the physicians, the doctors only. Not that it was wrong for him to go to the doctor. But it says he, he didn't seek God at all. He didn't acknowledge God in his way. You see, the man had changed. And it led him astray. And this is a message not only to come to the Lord and seek Him and to acknowledge Him to direct your life, but stay on that path. Don't let those other things pull you away. Because the world's trying to pull us away. Our carnal nature tries to pull us away and divert us from this path. So what happens to Asa? It's happened to many people that we see in the, in, the, in the Old Testament as well as the New. And it's a warning that Paul warns us about and the other apostles warn us too. To take heed to ourselves. To watch and to direct our way in the way of the Lord. To acknowledge Him in all of our ways. And He will direct our path. Say, so, well, 
How could God do that? It doesn't seem possible. God knows. You know, if He promises something, He has the power to deliver on it. And it really directs us back to each of our personal lives and what we're doing with them. We can think about what we're going to do tomorrow, next week, and next year. In the book of James it says that people will say, you know, we're going to do all this and conduct business this year and next year. And he says such thinking is arrogant. He uses the word arrogant. He says, because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. He said, instead we should say, if the Lord wills, you'll do this or that. If God directs us that way. You see that God was directing Asa. Until Asa stopped putting his trust in God. God's direction stopped when he stopped trusting him. He stopped trusting in his direction and his power. And he leaned on his own understanding and it led him astray. Lean not on your own understanding. How to figure out the problems of life. The problems and conflicts in relationships, in jobs, in business, in, <clears throat> in finance, in society, about the future. <clears throat> Knowledge Him in all of your ways, and He will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. <clears throat>